You're listening to TNM Coaching Unplugged. TNM Unplugged features the diverse perspectives of a thriving global community of coaches, leaders, and experts. And it's all for you. Welcome, everybody. Here we are again in our wonderful podcast that is elevating your heart, elevating your soul, elevating your mind to the next level of itself. This is the podcast for inspiration, for your personal evolution, for your personal growth and development. And today I have a special guest. I always have special guests. Sometimes people ask me, how do you know all these amazing people? I say I was always lucky to meet these amazing people in my life. And then I'm so lucky that all of them want to record podcasts with me. So here is this amazing woman that I met many, many years ago. I don't want to tell you how many years ago, but she was crucial and instrumental and inspirational in my own coaching career. You know, first time when I got her book, I was like, oh my God, this book, it's so amazing. It really changed my life. It changed how I perceive coaching. It also changed how I relate to coaching. And she was somebody that I followed throughout her career for the inspiration, for the newness, for the freshness, because she was always on this pulse of evolution, bringing new things all the time. And not only new things, but also branching into different fields of coaching. So my guest today, Laura, Laura. Bregman Fortgang, it's an amazing number one coach in the world. For me, she is one of the top coaches. That's it. You know, there are many, many coaches, but for me, she is it. <laughs> She's amazing coaching. Let me tell you a little bit more about Laura. She has started her career by hiring personal coach herself, which is always a good start. When you experience something and then you jump into this new profession. And then from that journey, she became one of the first US-based coaches and then first international coaches. She has also helped uh, set up the International Coach Federation. And then she launched herself with her first book. I think it's the first book, Take Yourself to the Top, which was one of my favorite books when I was reading, highlighting all the pages. And then also she moved into a corporate coaching and training. She worked across different businesses in corporate career coaching specifically. She really helped people nail down the career challenges and get them to get to their next life or the next best life as well. And then she traveled across the world. She trained other coaches to become successful coaches. She was a guest speaker. She was also a TED speaker. So she has a beautiful career behind her. And we're going to link all of the websites that Laura currently has in the description of this podcast on the YouTube as well. So you can learn more about her. Some of the interesting facts about her body of work, like living your best life. It's one of the books that I also love, how to discover your life blueprints for success, which is amazing. I mentioned Take Yourself to the Top, A Little Book of Meaning, which is a very sweet and lovely and beautiful book. And then now what? The 90 Days Challenge to the New Life Direction. I mean, you know, she is just amazing. So today we're going to kind of dive into this conversation about how to reinvent our life, but how to reinvent our life from a more of the organic, natural, evolutionary pulse instead of just reinventing yourself just because you want to reinvent yourself. So Laura, welcome. Wow. Will you be my biographer? That was, <laughs> thank you so much for that introduction. Yeah, I'm good with that. You know, I love, you know, getting people to really feel who is the person I'm talking to. And, you know, there's always limited time to introduce somebody, but with you, it was always special. So let's dive into that reinvention. You know, you said, let's talk about reinvention. Where would you like to start? Um, I want to start with what reinvention is not, you know, like I think that 
people think that to, to reinvent, you know, do something new, you know, get get a new pair of glasses, you know, or um, try a hobby or, um, you know, it's kind of like throw spaghetti, oops, throw spaghetti at the wall. But truly, and I like to use Madonna as an example, right? So Madonna, most people remember Madonna. She's like the queen of reinvention, right? Every album, everything she did was, re one was spiritual, one was, you know, the sex one, the this, the that. And you think, well, you know, where does she come up with all this? But it's not about changing for the sake of changing. Reinvention is really about peeling away the layers of the onion and evolving to your true or highest self. So every time you peel away a layer, you're, it's because you grew, not because you're looking for something new to stick on to, to, you know, become viral or something. So reinvention is, I think it's really evolution. And I think it's hard sometimes for people to let go of one of those layers, you know, like, well, I've been doing this so long, or I have an expensive education in this, or I'm seen this way. How could I make a change? Um, and those are my favorite reinventions to help people make <laughs> the ones where they have to let go of something that they're attached to. So you're relating to reinvention from this space. It's actually rediscovering yourself, enabling yourself to step into the next level of you being in touch with the higher self, with the essence. How would you define this higher self or essence for the people who are new into this, just when it comes to the language? Sure. I mean, when you when you mentioned my second book, Living Your Best Life, your, follow your blueprint to success or whatever it is. Um, when I was an early coach, I didn't have a psychology background. I didn't come from business. I, I came from coaching, you know, I was a client and then I trained and I was having success helping people discover their best path or, you know, move up in a corporation. And I'm like, well, why do I know this? Why me? Like, I'm not studied, you know, that I haven't worked in business. Why do I know this? And I sat back and observed myself and I realized that what I'm looking for in somebody is kind of as if like there were like dots to connect the dots in their soul, right? So there's an imprint on your soul, but we don't get an owner's manual. You know, we, we get parents in a school who tell us who we should be. And, um, you know, I, I like to say that in school, they give you a paper map and, and the paper map is what are you good at and what do you like? And that's not always your life path or your highest path. It's something you're good at or you like. Your highest path is more like you're a fine-tuned GPS. And you have to use your intuition. You have to trust your instincts when it's something that doesn't fit the box, you know, that doesn't fit the square that everyone gave you. Um, so your life blueprint to me is this imprint on your soul that tells us what you'll be contributing the most and what will make you happiest. Because I define career satisfaction. It's not what you do as a job that makes you happy. It's who your job allows you to be. Who does your work allow you to be? That's evolving to your highest self because most people want to like themselves in their job. You know, if you look in the mirror every morning and you're like, I hate this, I hate myself, I hate what I have to do to make it through the day or to get that paycheck, you're not living your highest path, no way. Wonderful, how beautiful that description is. So it's about unfolding and really getting in relationship with your soul blueprint and then becoming more of yourself every day with every reinvention, right? Yeah. And it's funny that we have to get back to ourselves, you know, so where did it go? <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, there's so much uh, having to fit convention or, um, you know, even how we educate in certain countries, you know, you have to be educated in one style. And we've more and more learning that people learn differently. And some people learn better by doing and some people do 
better by listening and some do better by reading. So we're, you know, we're still, I think, at the very early stages as as a species of understanding that how differences require um, growing people in different ways. You know, it's like. So when the the client, exactly. So when the clients come to you and, and they really want to play and they really want to rediscover themselves, they want to get in relationship to that blueprint, to that essence and connect those dots. You know, how do we do that? How do you do that? How do you help people really begin being in relationship with this? Because sometimes, from my perspective, people say, I would love to do that. I really want to understand myself. And then they get a little bit stuck. So what did you Yeah, do? I mean, when this is something that I, that is in my book now, what, 90 Days to New Life Direction. I, a, a, a long time ago, a coach had asked me as a client to give me, to give them my life story, you know, to write a life story for them. And it was sort of just information that was background for the coach. But I took that exercise when I started working with clients and I started to notice patterns. So I've come to discover that if I look at three particular things and if I look for three particular things in someone's story, I can find the true essence of them. So I need to look at, yeah, (laughs) and this is this is like what I do now. You know, some clients say, oh, it's like reading tea leaves. Like I never look at a client's resume. I want their life history and I'm looking for certain themes that keep showing up. I'm looking for a vow. A lot of people, somewhere in their youth, somewhere before 20 years old, they make a vow. I will never be like this one or I'll show them or I'll, you know, I'll never be poor. Whatever it is that they are reacting to from their childhood, most people make a vow. And that vow serves them incredibly well for a period of time. And when it stops working, you don't even realize you ever made a vow. So to discover that you have a motivator that doesn't suit you anymore is when most people feel like they've lost their way. Like, I don't know who I am anymore. So a huge thing to shift is, oh, wow, all these years I was going to prove that teacher wrong. You know, I'm going to be somebody, I'm going to be somebody. And then you already are somebody. And like, so what motivates me now? So finding that key motivation and finally that, you know, we're told all the time you can be anything you want to be or when you're a child, you know, we encourage the arts or we encourage uh, kids in a certain direction. And then they hit a certain age and say, well, now you, you can't make a living at that. So I'm not, you know, how, what are you going to do now? So how do we honor some of those past dreams? What is their significance? What is the true meaning of them? And how do we use that? to help you evolve to a mature version of that, right? So I use the example of how I wanted to be an actor. And you said, we, we weren't going to talk about my other career, but now I am. Yeah, but let's, let's. Right. So I wanted to be on Broadway and be a musical theater performer. My parents would not pay for such an education. So I've got a degree in something else. I did every show that I could. And then I moved to New York City. And it was 10 years after I had found coaching that I realized the significance of me having wanted to be an actor. Of course, it's fun. Of course, the applause is lovely, but it's a very difficult life. And when I realized, wait a minute, what's the true reason behind this dream? What did I really want out of this? How was I going to impact people? And I realized that I wanted to cause change from the stage. I wanted people to watch a play or be inspired by a character and think about their own life and something that they needed to move in their own life. And so if you see the irony of that, like, you know, 10 years later, I I was already speaking on stages and 
uh, sharing coaching and coaching people live in front of a room, you know, on stage, helping people think about their life and what they need to change. So that blew up like a parallel for me. And I've discovered even childhood dreams like they want it. If you want to be a paleontologist, which is the study of dinosaurs and you didn't grow up to do that. Okay, well, what what do we keep from that? It's not the dinosaurs. It's not the dust. It's not the desert. That person likely I found many times. The research, the putting the dust, connecting the dots, understanding the history, seeing how we evolve, solving riddles and maybe some adventure. So then I look for how do we put those things back into your life now? So there's so much significance in your story about what you've left on the side of the road that needs to be included in your life to evolve and to have satisfaction. I, I've done this exercise myself, and I have also found the, my wow at this moment in time. You know, when I was doing it, I was like, wow, I didn't even know, as you said, that I made this commitment or promise to myself. But it was a huge and strong motivator that usually for me, it came from some kind of pain or right. Discomfort. You know, I was not really happy with my family circumstances at that moment in time. And I wanted to be better. I wanted to improve. And I made that decision. Now I am never going to do this. I will become that. And you're absolutely right. When, when I reflect, you know, for the people that I'm coaching, it comes a time it doesn't serve you any longer, which is very interesting, isn't it? I just Yeah. I mean, I, my vow was I will never get married and I'll never have children because that's the I didn't understand my home. You know, why did these people get married and why did they... Why did they have kids? So when I met this person who, you know, I was in love with and he asked me to marry him, it, I, I was like, wait a minute, my whole operating system is, it does not compute here. So we had a very long engagement, but we've been married for almost 30 years. So I guess it worked out, right? But that's how powerful a vow can be. And it does stop serving you by a certain point. It could be the reason for your success. But at some point, it'll stop working because it was a reaction to pain. It's always a reaction to pain. Yeah. So it, it's just a fascinating observation that turned into a way to really help people figure out where they got off their path. And what I also love from your sharing is that you are so beautifully authentic that you're actually evidencing what you've done in your own life that actually then you applied back into your coaching, which I believe are the best practices. You know, if you are inventing your models yourself and you're sharing your life so clearly then and you know what works then you can also coach other people to do the same right yeah and you know i've never put anything out that wasn't you know at least studied under the microphone you know i I've, under the microphone under the microscope i mean i feel like it's the power of observation and the privilege of working with people um you know you i notice patterns or things that keep showing up or things that need a solution and um dissecting how we came up with a solution. So, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I had my training from the beginning and that's still there, but I think that's the the benefit of so much experience is you can't assume anything, you know, just when we, I'm sure you too, Zora, just when you think you've seen it all, there's something new that surprises you. So you must remain humble, but at the same time, the time. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you can recognize patterns and um, that's, that's where, coming up with methodology comes from. So going back into the life story, so we look into our life story, we look into the patterns, we understand, you know, when, when was the wow that we have committed to, how that serves us and motivation, and now how do you use that or how do we use that in reinvention? You know, how do we bring that forward into becoming that new level 
of ourselves, more aligned to our higher, higher self and our soul. Well, when, when you do that process, it's sort of like panning for gold, right? So you put the pan in the water and you shake out all the water and you have the gold nuggets that are left. So in assessing those golden nuggets, I call that your criteria for happiness. So now you have new criteria for what will make you happy. You know, it has to include this that I discovered and that that I discovered and this of who I am and give up that piece, right? So you might just have a whole new set of rules about what you need to have in your life to be fulfilled and to, um, you know, be making your biggest contribution. You know, like an example um, of an evolution, right? So I've worked with someone who's a like a very creative marketing person and he landed in the um, toy industry and, you know, one of the best companies and it was so exciting and he's invented and marketed so many things. And then there came a point where he cared more about the planet and nature and he realized, wait a minute, I'm contributing to some of the, you know, landfills. I'm contributing so much plastic to the world. So this discovery and evolution created new criteria for success. So I no longer consider myself a success at this high level job in this wonderful company because we are ruining the planet. Right. So maybe that's just an awareness that occurred. But if you look at his story, he's always been about being in nature and caring about the planet. And, you know, just took a while to connect that my job was not aligning with what I believe and who I am. And that's a simple example, but it kind of helps you see an evolution and the change of your criteria for what's going to make you happy. So when we change this criteria, what makes us happy, then we are a choice. Right. Do we choose you know, to engage into that next version, a new version of ourselves, to make that step in reinventing. Yeah, and I find that once you know these undeniable truths about yourself, it's very hard to ignore them. You know, when, when it's just a nagging feeling and you can't quite put a name to it or you're not sure how to move forward, you know, you sit in the discomfort. But once you have that level of clarity, I mean, I, most people just have to change. I mean, they just will. I had one person who took 10 years. That's my longest one. <laughs> I, didn't co- I didn't coach him for 10 years, but he was actually in my beta testing group for, that, for the book and that process. And he discovered something so big and so true that he just almost couldn't reconcile it. And he quit the group. I ne- he would not return my phone call for years. I tried to find out what happened to him. And this is a true story. And Zoran, in 2015, I put out a new edition of Now What? And I got an email from from a company that made outdoor, um, you know, like the carabiners and the ropes and stuff for rope climbing and it, it kind of all kinds of outdoor accessories. And I thought, I didn't sign up for this. Who is this? And I looked towards the bottom and there was his name. And I wrote back. I was like, is this the same guy? And he's like, yep, I did it. Ten years, but I did it. Wow. So he he could not reconcile his he really saw that he just created like he just um, the awe of nature was what he wanted to introduce people to. And it took 10 years to finally turn his life around to do it. Other people, it's mostly one to three years, I find. What you're saying to the people who are struggling with change or invention, once when you are diligent enough to really understand yourself on a deeper level and to connect those dots between your life story and to really understand what is your contribution and what makes your heart sing, what brings the highest joy, 
when that is 100% clear, then people just act. There is no procrastination, no delay, no like, oh my God, can I do this? Can I not do this? Do I have enough courage? Do I have enough self-esteem? So you think, you feel it's they just go for it. This is what I would love to, you know, that is true, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish it was like, you know, like this for everybody. But, you know, if you're not independently wealthy, you can't make big leaps like that. But I do find that, it's almost like the the your your life was waiting for you. You know, like hurry up and discover this already because I find that people people's circumstances will accelerate and gain traction and change and lucky things will happen like, you know, a banker who wants to be a a fashion designer, so you know, all of a sudden they have an opportunity to uh take a take a finance job within a company that does high-end fashion. So now they can start learning the industry that they're curious about, but comfortably in kind of a role that will get them there. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so many times, I mean, like I said, I, I can't guarantee it, but I sit back and I wait for the, the coincidences. Yeah. Because once people tell the truth about who they are and what they really want, it's like the wheels start turning literally like the soul it's like then in charge and the soul says hello you know anybody home we are here right. to do we were waiting for you waiting thank you very much you. and i love that you're kind of anchoring two special words for me which is contribution you know always what are you here to give sometimes to really discover that next evolution of yourself you need to ask yourself a question what am i here to give if i was part of collective human consciousness and i came here for a reason and I'm unique in my essence, and there's nobody else like me. You know, there's just me, one version of me. What am I here to give? You know, I think that's such a lovely, beautiful, profound question that really enables people to start thinking more about giving instead of taking from life. You know what I mean? Sometimes we are too focused on like, what do I need to get from life? More money, more success, more, you know, more career, more relationship, more whatever, you, more, whatever success is instead of asking that question, what do I need to give back to life, right? And it is a whole other way to function. Like I call it changing your operating system. Like you used to have a PC and now you use a Mac, right? So your whole operating system has to change, but you start developing the trust that that operating system is worthy of your attention. Do you know, like, so if you're, so I call it five sensory versus six sensory, right? So if you're a five sensory person, you want to see it, feel it, hear it, know it, you know, you're going to do things the way that they're supposed to be. But when you add the sixth sensor, your intuition, your soul, you trust and take actions on things that are not proven yet, but you know deep down are true. So the idea of what to give is very different than Western culture teaches you, you know, what to get, how to get up the ladder. But often it's exactly what you have to give or what you're built to give that is what gets you up the ladder. You know, like, and that's the only way I can explain my own story of like, I thought I had failed. You know, I was this actress waitress and it didn't come to be. No one tried harder. And then I had no attachment to creating any kind of visibility as a coach. It was more like, wow, this thing changed my life. And now I see something I can do. I don't have to suffer doing the same thing anymore. And I just put one foot in front of the other. And, ooh, I mean, like things I could never have predicted happen. Things that would, you know, if someone was just trying to create fame, they'd have to hire a $50,000 PR company. I just landed in the right place at the right time. But that's the kind of thing that I find that when you hit upon what you're supposed to contribute, 
Um, it doesn't have to mean, you know, high visibility. It could just mean some ease in getting a job or the salary that you want or an opportunity that um, allows you to do that. You know, and so many times when people make a change, they worry about less money. Um, but the truth is, it's less. it might be less money for a, a little bit, but then you, you create, um, you know, more momentum in this other thing that you're doing. It's not a forever setback. And I feel that one of the important pieces that we're talking about is this trusting life. You know, I coach sometimes people who are ready to make this new change or are on the verge of reinventing themselves. But there is this lack of trust in that what you said, sixth sense, your ability. You know, you really need to somehow find a way to really connect to life and start trusting life. You know, what is your take on that? How can we increase that trust? I, you know, it's the trust doesn't come by thinking about it. You know, it the trust you you can't build more trust by meditating on it. You have to take action. <laughs> and <laughs> what you said that this is my favorite thing. You cannot build trust by meditating on it because so many people sit in a you know lotus position that I need more trust, but it doesn't come that way. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I I laugh with you because you know it's not something you know we're not evolved enough yet to just create it in a meditation, we have to take action and the action proves to us, oh, look, I, I, good, I made a wise decision. I can trust myself. So start small, you know, don't quit your job tomorrow. Start small, make a few phone calls, um, you know, volunteer somewhere and see if you actually like this thing you're thinking about doing. Um, and trust, trust comes from doing it. Just like a baby starting to walk, right? They're gonna fall down on their bum and they're going to, you know, try a few times, but they're like, oh, this works. I'll do this more. I'll do this more. And we get stronger and stronger and stronger and we're running. So it's the same concept. And it, it does take trust. And, you know, as we get older, we, we trust less, you know, maybe because we get fearful because we've learned some things that hurt and no one, you know, we seek pleasure and avoid pain. But also, as we get older, you care less about what other people think. So it is the perfect opportunity to build trust in what you know is right. Yeah. You know, and the evolution is just, you know, in, in Judaism, there's um, a saying, and I might pronounce it wrong because I'm not the most religious Jewish person, but tikkun olam means to make the world better than you found it. And so whether that be done through charity or good works or whatever, but I also think about it as what are you here to give, right? So what is what are you here to make the world better with? And everyone has something. Like it's not like everyone's going to be Mother Teresa and be famous for it. But Mother Teresa didn't set out and say, you know, if I wear this thing on my head and I pick up this man in the street, the whole world is going to revere me and turn me into a saint. Like that was not a plan. She didn't work that out with her PR person. You know, that was just being who she was one step in front of the other and people followed and wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, but also, I mean, for me, that's trust. She just did one step after another. You know, she was following her inner knowing, inner journey. She was trusting through small steps and suddenly she became what she became. So, you know, for me, that instrumental element of being able to reinvent yourself is trusting what you know inside of yourself. And then actioning that in everyday life because coaching is all about action and we love that right both you and i we know once when you roll your sleeves and you get into the action you try yourself and you play an experiment then you can really begin seeing how that how does that work in real life right 
Yeah. And, you know, I always tell people like you don't really decide like life tells you if you're wrong, you know, like so if you touch the stove and it's hot, you learn the lesson. Right. But if you learn to, you know, cook with grace, life keeps letting you cook. So, you know, yes, it doesn't mean that everything works out magically when you make a change like that or you reinvent. But most of the time you get signs that you're on the right track and um, it can only happen by by doing. You know, and a lot of the time I ask people to measure it in how they feel, you know, like, how do you feel about it? How do you feel doing it? Not just, you know, what do you think about it or can you make money at it? But do you feel um, like you're being who you are built to be? Do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel good about doing it? And um, that's just as important as anything else. Yeah, for me, that's number one, number two, and number three, you know, because most of the time people are looking for that feeling. They're looking to feel in a certain way in whatever circumstance they create in their lives. So even if the job, if you feel right within your job, if you feel fulfilled, content, creative, happy, joyful, or do you feel like, oh, my God, I just said I need to do this job to get this paycheck going on. That feeling is extremely important to touch that, you know, because it has creational power. The more you feel good in your own skin, the better you're going to be and more you're going to create, right, in your life. Exactly. It's like the the faucet on the sink, you know, like if. It's turned off. There's no creative juice. There's nothing happening. But when it's open and you feel right, that's when you're giving. That's when things are moving. That's when you have a ripple effect in the world. You know, what ripple do you cause? Yeah, I'm going to shift into challenging conversation right now. It's not challenging for you, but it can be challenging for some other people. So nowadays with the, you know, social media, you know, that is dominating our life, you know, the reinvention, it's quite artificial because we are kind of all groomed to follow certain trends and to show that version of ourselves that we really want other people to see, which might sometimes not be authentic who we really are. And especially for my younger clients, I don't, I want, don't want to label them as generation, millennials, generation. And there is always that sense I need to keep on reinventing myself all the time, all the time, but I'm not fully feeling it. I'm not fully authentic. I'm just following the trend. You know, right. for me, that, that just gets sad about that sometimes. I look into it as like, really? You know, really? Is that what we need to do right now? So what will be our take on that? How can we empower that new generation that is also watching this video in our conversation to become more authentic within their reinvention so they can really show themselves clearly instead of thinking they have to project certain personality and certain persona within the social media space? Right. Well, you know, right. So we live in a social media world and everyone wants to go viral. And people who will tell you that they know how to go viral are not telling the truth. It's just it's just a thing like it's just it happens. Right. So there's certain, you know, okay, you can try this. You can do that. You can be shocking. You can be this. You can be that. But it does come to a point where your goal is to be seen or your goal is to get a certain amount of likes and you totally lose sight of who you are and why you're there. So I guess what I would put boil it down to is you use the media that's available to us instead of letting it use you or eating you up. Mm. So how, you know, so, you know, I'm on, I'm even on TikTok now, not much to my children's surprise. And they're like, what are you doing on TikTok? I'm like, well, you know, Business people are starting to be on TikTok. And I'm not, look, I'm a performer. You would think I'd be the first one to be dancing and doing whatever. But what feels authentic to me is, okay, it's a video platform, 
but I'm going to give you something on video short. I'll fit the I'll fit the model. I'll fit the the requirements, but I'm going to use it the way that expresses me, not copying what everybody else is doing. And if it doesn't work for me, then I'll go do to something else, right? So, and I'm, you know, so for younger people, there's so much pressure, right? So whether it be, you know, your duck lips poses or you're doing a reels or doing selfies all the time, why don't you make it your own and maybe you'll be the one who starts a new trend? That's it. That's why don't you make it your own and then you can start your own trend and that new trend needs to start from the authentic you right from that inner essence and blueprint because sometimes when you see these wonderful people in the social media i can literally see they're shining their essence through they're so authentic and so well kind of anchored in their own body they're not shy to be themselves and i think that when you're yourself and you experiment and play through your example of tiktok then you just keep on playing until it really happens, whatever needs Yeah, to I mean, most people are accidental successes when it comes to social media, you know. Um, you know, you can, buy, you can buy followers, but they're not going to be the best followers. You know, they, they're just, they're, they're, they may not even be related to your topic of interest. Um, so there's lots of ways to fake it, but the way that it's happened for most people is they're just being themselves. They're like, whoa, I had no idea that was going to be popular, or, you know, I just was, crying that day and I was telling the truth and it went viral, you know? So again, if you look at it, it really comes from the most genuine things. So do something that pleases you um, and use it instead of it using you. And in today's world, uh, in addition to social media, we had this crisis for two years and I'm in conversations all the time with people wanting to reinvent themselves. Do you feel that this crisis that we've been through or still in, so to say, it's steering our evolution. It's kind of accelerating ourselves. And why is that? You know, why do we now really need to take this opportunity to do something about our life and to become more of who we really are? Anytime we are forced to stop, you know, we have to deal with discomfort. And then after the discomfort might come some boredom. And then after the boredom might come self-discovery. So I think that people being locked up <laughs> with themselves or with their families, you know, it's very clear what you like about your job, what you don't like about your job, what works in your home, what doesn't work in your home. And also, anytime we have a crisis, it's, it makes you realize that life is short and that anything can happen. So it accelerates people's desire to get rid of what no longer is them. You know, it's like I... I've been, I've been through 2001, the 9-11 attack in New York City, the 2008-2009 global market crash, um, you know, there's, and now the pandemic, right? And these are three times that I've seen the same thing happen under different circumstances. Something happens that causes everyone to rethink. And it's, it's good. I mean, it's horrible because we have to deal with so many circumstances that are frightening or upsetting or losing money or losing jobs. But I feel like the, the planet and our evolution requires it. It's how it gets our attention. Otherwise, we're too busy doing everything else and it doesn't have our attention until something bad happens. Sadly, that's how we operate. That's how we operate. And I know that's true. He says, stop, give me the attention. Otherwise, we keep on doing same old, same old, same old because we're creatures of habits and we like our habits. And we do. Habits. I mean, even look at like even look at cars and petroleum. You know, we know 
we've known since 1974 that it's bad, but no one wants to give up. You know, I don't, you know, they feel like one person is not enough. I can't give up. I mean, why is nobody else is giving it up? What do you know? So uh, sadly, we wait for crises and it's just not a good way to be. But when it happens, we rethink. When it happens, rethink. And I think a lot of people would love listening to this because we already shared a few of the methods and skills and tools, how to take the opportunity right now when everything is accelerating around you to look into your own life and to reinvent yourself, to get closer to your soul and to really choose what makes your heart sing and what is your contribution in life right now. You know, those two parameters we've played with a lot today. Yeah, and you have to believe in that too. You know, if you think you're just being busy and being on the treadmill is going to get you what you want, you have to realize there's another way to operate that is kinder to your soul and the results can be even better. I would love to stop here, but I have one more question because it's such a good ending. It's kinder to yourself and in, in, in relationship with your soul. So what do you love about coaching? You know, just to sum it up, if you were to share with the audience, what is that genuine love that you feel about coaching? What is that for you? The awe and wonder of humanity and what makes people tick, for lack of a better word. You know, it, it is rewarding to hear someone's energy change on a call from stuck to excited, um, from blind to discovery is really wonderful to be a part of. And then I also like the balance of, you know, I, I've, as they, they, there's a saying like, never believe your own press. Like don't, you know, don't read the newspaper that says you're good or bad in the show, right? In theater. And I believe in that. Uh, for my whole career, like, just don't believe that you're great or that you did something great. No matter what your clients tell you, it's it's not that it wasn't great, but it was done because it was in partnership. It wasn't done because you had some, you know, brilliance. So I just love the um, the interconnectivity of the success of coaching is that it takes two. It's not one. It's two. Thank you so much for coming to this podcast today, for inspiring people around the world with your beautiful energy and your beautiful presence. I'm so grateful to know you, and I'm so grateful that you, you know, recorded with me today. Thank you. Thank you once again. And, you know, one last snippet of wisdom, if you want to leave our, what do you want to leave our audience with? (laughs) Well, first of all, it's my honor to be here with you, and I'm so happy to reconnect. And I just want to leave you with whatever, whatever is bothering you, it's a sign of something you need to address. You know, name it, drop it, name it or follow it. You know, it's either something you need to let go of or something you need to go towards. So listen to that. That's my advice for today. Thank you so much once again. Lots of love. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast, for listening, for being here with us. Yes. And bye. Bye bye for now. Bye.